Hey folks, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you've been listening to the Whitfield Report for a while and you're starting to think to yourself, hey, you know what? I could do this podcast thing, but where the hell do I start? Well, folks, I've had a lot of friends ask me that in the last few weeks, and I'm here to tell you all that Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You're damn right that's what I'm doing. And what I like about Anchor is that whether you're a novice or an expert, it's incredibly easy to use. They have uh, great tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast if you're a novice just starting out. Or if you're like me and you're an old pro at this, you can bring your own tools and record your audio and then upload the files yourselves. Whichever way you podcast, it's extremely easy to use Anchor, and I highly recommend them. So get started today by going to anchor.fm forward slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Whitfield Report. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, as always, coming at you from South Florida. What up, savages? It's uh, Savage Sam here for the Thursday edition of the podcast, uh, as I just said. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry this episode is uh, a bit later than uh, usual, but what can I say? I had a uh, busy day uh, out in the real world, and, uh, you know, I didn't get to, uh, you know, record at the proper time that I usually would have liked to, but here we are in podcast land, and, uh, you know, I'm here for you guys for the next, uh, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, or however long, uh, you know, this podcast goes for. Uh, and also, I think I finally have my uh, microphone stand adjusted properly to where I want it. It's now more at my, uh, you know, mouth level to where you guys can hear me. So, so hopefully it sounds good. The uh, the levels are looking better than they were, uh, you know, last week, at least, uh, you know, before post-production. So that's good. Um, anyway, contact info as usual. If you would like to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at SamW underscore NDC, hashtag uh, Whitfield Report. Also on Twitter at Whitfield Report for the show. And uh, hashtag Sam's Savages as well. 
And uh, you can follow me on Minds and Gab at Sam Whitfield. Not that I'm on either one of those platforms very much. Uh, I'm on Minds a little bit more. Uh, Gab, I'm just, I tend to stay away from that. And uh, I might actually close my account down there altogether just because I never use it. So what's the point now? Um, but anyway, uh, also facebook.com forward slash, uh, Whitfield report. And, uh, as always, the Sam Whitfield.com is where you can find my web, uh, site address with links to the, uh, the subreddit, the, uh, donation pages, the, of course the blog can be right over there and uh, all sorts of good stuff over there. And uh, finally, uh, we're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, I'm there. And uh, if you'd like to uh, support the show, you can either, uh, you know, donate at anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report uh, or... Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Whitfield Report and Streamlabs.com forward slash Whitfield Report for one-time donations. And, uh, yeah, that'll do it for, uh, info. So, uh, anyway, what's, uh, what's going on, folks? Um, so I usually stay away from politics on, uh, the Thursday show, but, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of shit that went down uh, politically this week. Uh, lots of stuff that happened in the news. And uh, I was going to maybe save this for Saturday, but then uh, show plans actually kind of changed. And I'll explain why here uh, towards the end of the show. So uh, I'm going to do some political crap today, uh, you know, instead of on Saturday's show like I usually do. Um, so first of all, this this kid that uh, went to the UN and made uh, a big, uh, you know, fuss, Greta, uh, you know, this this 16-year-old kid. I, I can't remember her last name, but, um, you know, Goes up there, makes a big speech about climate change, how it's, uh, you know, impacting us and how our leaders have failed us and, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know, her big line was, how dare the politician, you know, how dare you refuse to act on global warming? Uh, you know, we're, we're, in an, uh, we're in an apocalypse uh, you know, everyone, everyone's dying and we've got a very short amount of time to fix it. All the, uh, you know, global warming fear mongering, uh, you know, talking points or I guess it's, you know, climate change now, but regardless, um, you know, the people on the, on the left, they think that, you know, she's a savior of kinds and everyone on the left is, applauding her and, uh, you know, all of that. Um, a lot of people on the right, not, not everyone, but like a fair amount of, uh, you know, 
people on Twitter on the right are, you know, saying that she's foolish and that, uh, you know, how dare she lecture us on uh, global warming, you know, I've and I've seen some rather nasty comments, too, that I'd rather, uh, you know, not repeat. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm, I kind of, I'm kind of two minds on uh, this kid, you know, or whatever you want to call her. Um, you know, for one, I, I agree with a lot of conservatives that she shouldn't be, uh, you know, talking about like global warming. She, I don't think an activist position is really where she should, you know, be right now. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. Um, ultimately, I, f I feel bad for her more than anything else, though, because it seems to me that, you know, like somewhere along in the line, she was uh, handled and, you know, someone, uh, it seems, you know, uh, told her that, you know, if she wanted to help you know, environmental concerns that she could, you know, go ahead and do this. And, you know, so it, it definitely seems like she was, you know, somewhat scripted or somewhat handled. Um, you know, I, I, this whole trend of, uh, you know, 16-year-olds, uh, you know, and like teenagers telling us what to do on, you know, on policy, it it does get irksome. I I understand that. Uh, now, by the same token, I I can, you know, I I can already hear my detractors uh, saying, "Well, well, Sam, you've been podcasting since you were, uh, you know, fourteen years old, and uh, you know, aren't you a little hypocrite to criticize her for you know commenting and, uh, you know." doing all of that, you're being a hypocrite. You, you did commentary when you were young. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of one of the first things I wanted to address. My uh, answer to that would be, well, you know, in hindsight, maybe I was a little young to be uh, doing political commentary, you know, when I was 14 or, you know, 16, like, I go back and listen to the Whitfield's, you know, analysis episodes that I did, you know, back when I was in high school, and some of them were, you know, really good. Uh, they still hold up as some of my best, and others are like, you know, really cringe because, you know, I I was a teenager and I was still developing, and I still am, you know, developing in my. 20s. So, you know, I, I, I get that. Um, but I think the big difference here is when I started out doing, you know, political commentary, I was just a, a, a kid with a microphone, you know, doing like, you know, podcasting and you know, whatnot, and like I've said before, you know, politics kind of was, like, something I was, you know, a bit of a nerd with in high school and, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatnot. Um, I also, believe it or not, I never really ever, 
was like prop, propped up, uh, you know, by like any adult conservatives. Every, uh, everything I did, including the Ben Shapiro interview that I did when I was a senior in high school, um, you know, I went out and did that all on my own. You know, I, I made that, all of the connections I've made, I, you know, pretty much made on my own. Uh, you know, no one really held my hand or, you know, advised me like, you know, and told me what to say. The, the only thing, you know, really, the only people that really kind of, I guess, helped me promote the show was, you know, later on when I, when I was a senior in high school, I joined uh, Jason Veely's, you know, network at the time, uh, Junior Factor Nation. That, that was after the Ben Shapiro interview, and that was kind of, you know, where I made my bones, so to speak, but by then, you know, I was older, but, you know, like, even when I was a teenager, I was, you know, doing this content independently, and, you know, like, who knows, maybe, maybe Greta was doing the content independently, but, like, I, I guarantee you that, like, I was a kid just ranting into the, into a microphone, and, you know, like, doing my thing, and, I, I was mainly just, like, trying to inform other, you know, teenagers, other millennials, you know, other millennial teens at the time, you know, on just kind of what was going on and exposing them to a, you know, an alternative conservative view of, you know, the world and, um, you know, from the, from the Obama left, you know, culture at the time. Uh, I was kind of, you know, the, the, the counterculture and the, you know, the shock jock teenager and, uh, you know, whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I can certainly tell you that, uh, I, looking back, I probably would not have been, uh, equipped to do, you know, public speaking or to address like a large assembly, you know, even at like CPAC. I, I it's interesting. I know several of the you know, millennials who spoke at CPAC, like, when they were teenagers, and, you know, some of them, like Jonathan Crone, actually, you know, went on to become liberal, you know, others just kind of faded out, uh, you know, so I've just always kind of been a guy doing a show, and, uh, you know, independently, and I've done my own thing. Yeah, I started when I was young, but it's, you know, it's way different. I wasn't, you know, necessarily an activist, um, you know, per se. And, you know, now it's given me greater freedom, I think, you know, too, that I've kind of always been independent because, well, I do talk about politics somewhat still on this show. You know, as you know, recently I've kind of veered away from that, you know, a bit, and I've, well, I still talk politics, I also talk, you know, pop culture, and movies, and music, and all that good stuff that, you know, I've talked on the podcast for, you know, the last year or so, kind of pivoted in that direction, and so, you know, I don't really, I don't begrudge Greta herself, like, as a person for, you know, for getting up there and saying what she, you know, 
said. Uh, it just, if it was genuine, but it just kind of seems to me like she was being used as a propagandist, which is what I have a problem with. You know, David Hogg is like, is blatantly, you know, a, a propagandist and, you know, he was using that for, you know, he used his platform with the whole, uh, you know, uh, shooting in his high school to become a political megastar. And so, you know, that's kind of the same thing. He was handled and it seemed like he and those other kids were kind of catapulted to the top. And, you know, same with Greta. All, you know, we haven't really, you know, seen any of her past work. She just kind of got catapulted to the top. So that I do have, have a problem with. I don't, I don't have a problem with someone, you know, with a young person kind of doing what I did, you know, and like making their own bones, you know, doing something and struggling through it, um, you know, and like rising that way. But a lot of this just seems manufactured and, you know, like, like I said, I think, you know, maybe she does genuinely believe in climate activism, but it just seems like, you know, like the type of, you know, doomsday and we need government, you know, leaders to act now. It seemed very, uh, you know, like her rhetoric was very totalitarian, right? You know, kind of the idea that like, you know, a, a, a uniformal government needs to intervene and not something really that, you know, a teenager would say on their own, you know, and if she is saying that on her own, well, then she's got really radical, you know, ideas. Um, you know, as far as, like, what her message was myself, look, here's what I've always said about climate change and, you know, whatnot. I definitely believe that we need to, uh, you know, take care of the environment and take care of the, uh, you know of the land, take care of the, you know, stewardship, what have you. But uh, as George Carlin once famously said in one of his uh, specials, the earth has been uh, around uh, far longer than we have and it will probably, uh, you know, it will probably exceed our existence you know, too, to somewhat, um, you know, so, um, you know, once human civilization collapses, which I don't think is imminent anytime soon, you know, the earth will still be here or not, but I don't, I don't think that, you know, changing global warming, you know, or climate or climate change policy will really, uh, you know, uh, you know, factor that in, and, you know, by the same token, I do think that we should try and, you know, take care of the environment, I just don't think it's, you know, government's job to, uh, you know, be as, in, be as strict as these, you know, alarmists would like us to, I certainly think that, you know, clean water acts and whatnot certainly have been helpful, but, you know, what the left is proposing now in terms of, you know, climate change and 
you know, it would basically give the government absolute power, you know, in the guise of saving the planet. It's a, uh, it's a religion to the left, um, you know, climate change and, you know, like for every, uh, you know, fundamentalist Christian extremist and, you know, out there. And I'm not saying that like all Christian conservatives are, you know, fundamental bigots. Uh, obviously, I'm not saying that. But like for every one that uh, out there that actually is like a, you know, far right, like Christian extremist, there is also, you know, a, a, a liberal and a, a leftist who is equally as radical about, you know, climate change and, you know, climate change and saving the planet is their religion and you know neither is good we need uh, a bit of a balance when it comes to that so uh you know as far as like the as far as the gr girl goes i feel bad for her because it uh you know it just seems like she's being used as another propaganda tool like david hogg was um you know, and uh, we'll see where this, you know, goes. I, I think she'll kind of fade off into the distance. Um, the other thing, though, this Trump and U Ukraine thing. Uh, where to start? That whole thing is a big, uh, you know, clusterfuck, isn't it? Um, and listen, a lot of you guys already know the, the, the story of what happened, so I'm not going to recap in, uh, too much detail. I really haven't, like, delved into it as much as I would like to just because I've been busy with school and, uh, other aspects of my life, um, but I, you know, I do know that uh, Trump had a phone call with the with the president of Ukraine. Uh, you know, allegedly wanted, allegedly according to this whistleblow, he asked Ukraine to, uh, you know, dig into Joe Biden's past because there was some illicit stuff there, and uh, you know, like the left and some of the never Trump right is saying that there was quid pro quo going on and, you know, whatnot. Uh, the left is saying that the transcript is damning and that Trump needs to be impeached. Um, you know, Trump is saying it's a, uh, you know, it's a witch hunt and the, the right is just kind of saying that it's a, uh, you know, that it's a nothing burger and that nothing happened, that the phone call was copacetic. And, uh, you know, at this point, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I will say I, I watched a little bit of Trump's, uh, you know, press conference. And, uh, you know, even as someone who generally supports the president, even as someone who you know, did vote for Trump in 2020. He, he, as I've always said, he wasn't my first, you know, choice, but I wasn't the anyone but Hillary. 
vote. So, you know, he was the one I, I voted for. You know, as I've said, I'll I'll give Trump credit where credit is due and I'll, you know, criticize Trump where I feel I need to be criticized. His uh his response yesterday, the one that I heard, was admittedly all over the wall. Uh you know, pardon the pun, all over the place and I you know I didn't like it. It, uh, you know, a lot of, well, this is just a, a witch hunt. Nothing, uh, you know, always happened. And, you know, there, this is a witch hunt by the left. And, you know, the Dems are horrible. They're ruining this uh, country, you know, which generally I tend to, uh, you know, agree with the leftist, you know, the politicians and the media and the Antifa are, you know, ruining things. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I wasn't there. Um, you know, I, no one was there. We didn't hear the, the phone call. And so it, it, it kind of seemed like him, you know, by him kind of like avoiding the subject and skirting things and kind of, you know, being like the, the tr Trump the troll it did kind of seem a little suspicious. And I, I'm not saying that there was anything that happened or anything like that. What I'm saying more of, though, and here's kind of my point uh, in regards to this, right? Either Trump did something wrong or he didn't in, in, regards, in regards to this case. But I'll tell you that the, um, you know, I, you know, Pelosi has said that she's looking into, in, you know, into impeachment proceedings, uh, you know, and I think, I think she's going to pursue that uh, as much as possible. I don't necessarily like that, but it could very well happen. And, uh, you know, I don't think it really matters so much if Trump did anything wrong or not. I I think if he did something wrong, you know, that's bad, obviously. If he didn't do anything wrong, it's still kind of bad because the left is going to use this as, you know, an excuse to try and... and Peach him, and it's it's not going to look good good for twenty twenty anyway. Um, you know, am I fearful that Trump is going to to lose at this point? Um, no, I don't think it's you know looking good with this, but I'm not uh, you know quite concerned yet. I I basically think that the left is going to use this regardless of whether or not it's true. And uh, it's just not going to, it's not going to be pretty, uh, you know, coming up in 2020. It's just not. And so, you know, I, I think that the question that we need to ask isn't so much, was this true or not? I think that's kind of sadly uh, irrelevant. The question we need to ask is, uh, is this going to be politically used? 
I think the answer is yes. And, uh, you know, if so, how is it going to be politically used? And what is the, uh, the magnitude of the, uh, you know, politicalization and whatnot? Um, you know, and people have been saying uh, on the, on, you know, the conservative side that this is going, is going to backfire, uh, you know, just like the Mueller thing did. And well, I, and well, I want to say yes. Well, I'd love to say yes, that that's going to be the case. I, I just think that the circumstances are just different enough that this may cause more of a problem for Trump than uh, the Mueller hearings did and, and whatnot. For one, uh, you know, Mueller kind of came off the heels of the 2016 election and that was the Clintons, you know, having sour grapes that Hillary, you know, never, that she lost in 2016 and whatnot. So, you know, the, the more part of those optics were about, you know, 2016 and all that. Um, you know, this one, obviously, we're heading into another election with 2020. I think things are different now than they were in 2016. Uh, you know, obviously, Trump is the incumbent, incumbent president. Um, you know, we're looking at that. Um we're looking at Trump. This was, I guess, the biggest problem I had with his speech, uh, you know, with his hearing. I think that Trump yesterday was a little bit too much like Trump, you know, of the campaign. Uh, you know, just he didn't seem very presidential. It, it would have been great if he were at like a rally or something or, you know, kind of trolling people. But it, it just seemed like he wasn't taking it very seriously, and that does kind of worry me. Not so much that he did anything wrong. I think that Trump is Trump, but I just think that the optics aren't going to be, you know, very good for him. And, uh, you know, I think regardless of how much he screams fake news, fake news, fake news, I do think that this is going to uh, hurt him somewhat to what end I don't know um, so uh, on the other hand uh, I don't think Joe Biden is going to be around uh, for very long uh, because you know it, if if Trump is you know found guilty of something um You know, if he did, if he did do anything illicit, real or you know made up, I think Biden's out too. I I think. I think because of this, Joe is kind of going to have to fall on on his, uh, sword politically. I think uh, you know Elizabeth Warren, she's, moving up there, which you know, like she's. She's just as cringy. I mean, they they all they all are. Like I said 
Tulsi is the only candidate up in you know in, in the in the Dem running who isn't a major uh, cringe fest. You know who, who, although I may disagree with her on a lot, I can actually you know watch Tulsi, and she doesn't repulse me. But un- unfortunately, we're not we're not going to get the the Dem who you know talks you know, uh, more sensibly to people. We're, we're not going to get that, uh, you know, candidate. We're, we're just not. So, you know, we're, we're most likely going to be stuck with, uh, Elizabeth Warren, maybe Kamala Harris. Uh, you know, she, she's trying to be the female Obama. I don't know if that's going to work for her or not. Uh, you know, we, we could get, we could get Bernie, uh, you know, crazy uncle Bernie, Larry, you know, the Larry David spinoff as I call him, uh, you know, uh, we could get hipster, uh, you know, Beto O'Rourke, bro, I totally stole your girl and now I'm going to play guitar like a like, you know, a hipster douchebag in, you know, college, and I'm, I'm going to pretend I'm, you know, super, like, unaware of the, of the way, uh, I attract females, and, you know, that, we, we could get him, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to get anyone sensible on, on the dem ticket, uh, you know, comparably say what you will about Obama but you know even when he was on the you know when he was campaigning uh at least in terms of how he sounded and this is by no means an endorsement of Obama but he just at least he tried to uh you know conceal some of his radicalism he didn't seem quite as off the, uh, reservation as perhaps, you know, some of the, the left is, it seems like, you know, they're far more aggressive now than they were in 2012 and, you know, 2008, and maybe part of that is a reaction to, you know, the fact that conservatives grew some cojones after, you know, Trump's election, that could be part of it. Uh, it could just be the over Overton window, you know, opening more and that, you know, and the radicals just becoming, you know, more and more, uh, open to spouting, you know, radical crap. But, uh, anyway, I, I don't know, folks, I just, I don't like it, um, you know, I'm not saying that this election is lost for Trump completely, but it's not going to be uh, easy. I don't think it's going to be a landslide like a lot of conservatives want to believe. I, I think we're going to have an uphill battle, you know, this this go around. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we lose, uh, you know, and I and I. I know that back in 2016, I I said back then that I didn't think that Trump was going to win then, I, and I know that he did. I I realized that, that was a huge upset, um, 
you know, that was somewhat of a miracle. And, uh, you know, the, the climate is such that I just don't think that that's going to happen uh, this go around. I think, I think that, that, that that was a uh, once-in-a-lifetime thing that we all witnessed. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I enjoyed the, the salty, you know, tears like far left as, as much as anyone did. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be getting that in 2016. It, although, if you know, if Trump does somehow manage to win again, I think I think it will be pretty good. But I, I can almost guarantee that if Trump wins in 2020, somehow we're not going to win in, 20, in 2024. It will, it will go back to the Dems. Uh, eventually the White House will. And uh, it's just not going to be. Uh, you know, pretty when the left does take back over. So that's all I'm saying. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that just about does it for the uh, political stuff. And uh, in terms of pop culture, or uh, um. That's what I'm going to be covering, uh, you know, more on the, uh, you know, on the Saturday show. I, uh, I know for certain I'm going to be recording a podcast uh, segment here with my friend Matt Dellis, who, uh, as some of you guys know, um, you know, if you guys are mega Whitfield fans, and you go back to my days of the Whitfield analysis, you know that uh, Matt was, uh, you know, a, a regular on my old show, and he and I are very close, you know, personal friends. And uh, also, as I plugged, uh, you know, last week, my friend Jason and uh, his brother Tate have their uh, podcast on tap, which is also a uh, pop culture and politics. I might have them on the show this weekend, uh, you know, too, if possible. I'm not sure if the two segments are going to be going on at the same time, but I will be producing some uh, content this weekend regardless. Uh, you know, who knows? I might pre-record both segments and then just stitch them together and then stream that on Saturday night. So... Um, I will certainly keep you guys apprised of that. Uh, and let's see, what, what else? Um, oh yeah, in, in terms of like what I'm, you know, listening to uh, this week as far as music goes, uh, I've been going, you know, back and listening to to, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Eric Clapton's, uh, stuff this week, uh, my uncle, may he rest in peace, uh, Gary, was a big Eric Clapton fan, and so, uh, I was listening to, uh, Slow Hand today, which is one of my, uh, all, you know, one of my favorite Eric Clapton albums, arguably one of his best. Arguably one of the greatest, uh, you know, rock albums of all time. And, uh, 
you know, as I was heading home from school and before I got back to uh, record this podcast, I was listening to uh, Eric Clapton's tribute album to J.J. Kale, the one that came out a few years ago. And uh, if you guys want a song that is just like absolutely, you know, mind blowing, uh, go and listen to. Uh, Eric Clapton's cover of Magnolia with uh, John Mayer on guitar and vocals. Um, I haven't talked about John Mayer too much on this uh, show. I know that people love to hate him, but he honestly is a great guitarist and a great songwriter. Uh, He's kind of like Sting, you know, who, as you know, I also love. They're both egotistical, but man, are they... uh, you know, are they talented? You can't deny that. And uh, as far as uh, John Mayer goes on this, uh, you know, cover of of Magnolia, he uh, he absolutely nailed it to the point where, like, I've played it for you know some people. Like my my stepdad is a is a big fan of J.J. Kale, and uh, I think the first time I played the John Mayer and Eric Clapton cover of Magnolia, he said that John John Mayer's vocals sounded exactly like J.J.'s. He thought that maybe, like, Clapton had just, you know, remastered J.J.'s vocal track. That was how good it was. And uh, all that jazz. So, anyway, uh, so, yeah, the Eric Clapton, J.J. Kale tribute album is just fantastic. Um, I couldn't recommend it enough. Uh, also, for those of you who listen to jazz and are jazz fans as I am, uh, I have two recommendations for you guys. The, uh, the first would be, uh, Art Pepper's, uh, new, Release obviously Art Pepper is dead now. He was a saxophonist in the fifties and sixties who uh, you know put out a bunch of great albums. But recently, one of the studio studios uh, released one of his uh, albums, one of his uh, collections of uh, home of home recordings, and uh, I'll pull my phone out here so that you guys. And uh, read it to you so that you guys uh, know which one I'm talking about. But uh, recently, there was a uh, there was a release that was pretty good. So if I can get my phone out of my pocket, okay, there we are, and. Uh, Hang on, gotta enter the... Okay. Uh, okay. So, the name of the album, for those who are interested, the, again, this is the Art Pepper album. Uh, Promises Kept, the complete artist's house recordings uh, by Art Pepper. Again, that's Promises Kept, the complete artist's house recordings. Uh, and then, coming out tomorrow is... Uh, John Coltrane's uh, one of the last albums that that they've recently found in the uh, Coltrane archive, and uh, that 
album is Blue World. It's coming out tomorrow. Uh, again, that's Blue World by John Coltrane. If you're into saxophone or you know anything like that, both John Coltrane uh, and Art Pepper are you know essential to listen to if you like uh, saxophonists like I do. So, uh, um. In the realm of jazz, those are my two recommendations, and uh, I highly recommend the Art Pepper album, and then the the Blue World John Coltrane album. Uh, I might do a, re- a review of that on uh, next week's Thursday podcast once I've had a chance to listen to that. So um, anyway, folks, at any rate, I want to thank you so very much for uh, listening to the show. Uh, once again on Saturday, I will be for sure doing a, uh, podcast with Matt Dallas. Um, you know, that might be audio only, that might, that might be video too, uh, I'm not sure yet. Um, and then I'm definitely going to get Jason and, uh, you know, Tate and their other co-hosts who host, uh, On Tap. They do a fantastic pop culture uh, podcast as well. Again, that's on tap and it comes out on Fridays. So anyway, folks, uh, I want to thank you so very much for listening to the Whitfield Report Thursday edition. Uh, God bless all of you. God bless the savages. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, please, if you like, if you want to support the show financially, please feel free to do so uh, by donate by visiting the. Uh, donation link in the uh, show description. Other than that, folks, uh, have a good night. Hey there, folks. If you've made it this far to the end of the podcast, I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the show. You are the ones that make it possible for me to uh, make an income from podcasting, and I greatly appreciate that just by listening to our show. You are helping us gain ad revenue. However, if you would really like to uh, help support the show, I encourage you to please donate to the podcast and become a supporter of the show. You can head over to anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report and click the support this podcast button and uh, choose the amount that suits you to support the show. Or you can click the link in the show notes and it will directly uh, take you to that page. If you can support the podcast, I really, really appreciate that. Anything that you can do to uh, help out is greatly appreciated. Even if you can't afford to uh, help financially support the podcast, I encourage you to please go on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and please leave this podcast a positive five-star review. That really helps us out here at the Whitfield Report. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next episode.